The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love Hi guys, I am Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live once again on Port Fan Radio. And look, tonight Rick's reign of terror is over for this podcast, temporarily at least. Um, he'll be back on Thursday night. So uh, joining me tonight is one of our hosts of the Magpies Hour in Harold Oliver. How are you, mate? I'm great, thanks, Macca. Thanks for having me on the show. I can't possibly replace the fisherman. No one could. But I actually have a very good association with the Port Adelaide Western Bulldogs Review, boasting a perfect record of two appearances for two wins now. So pretty nice. chuffed with that. Pretty good. Gotta love that. And look, for the first time on the podcast, we are speaking with Blaggett. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm doing great, Macca. Um, glad to be on for the first time. That's the way. Now, boys, no singing tonight. That would be uh, preferable. Oof. Can't promise anything. <laughs> I, I can. <laughs> yeah, me too. Unless it's the team song or something. Yeah, that's it. Now, Blaggett, um, first things first, how did you become a port supporter, Mac? Um, I have no idea. Since I was born. <laughs> There's photos of me before I can remember with the Magpies Guernsey on, so definitely a family connection for me. Parent, well, my dad at least, a mad port supporter, so been going to games since I can remember. Been uh, been obsessed. Excellent. Yep, two older brothers as well, taking me along. (laughs) Nice. And do you have a favourite player at all, past or present? Oh, as a kid, I was madly obsessed with uh, Scotty Hodges. I think everyone was really, but uh, yeah, I had. Uh, I think my parents found a scrapbook of mine. Like I had a scrapbook as a kid with like photos and everything, and it's like that's a little bit creepy, but that's fine with that. Scotty Hodges deserves that kind of thing. <laughs> Love it. And what about currently, mate? Ooh, I don't know. Kind of like uh, Matty Broadbent, I reckon. A bit disappointed that he got dropped, but he's he'd be up Cobra. there with one of my favourites. Yep, Westy as well. Although I wear, we'll the, uh, wear the number 12 on the Guernsey <laughs> at the moment. Oh, beauty. Yeah, beautiful like number. That. Yeah, I've got number five on mine. Oh, fantastic. Well, look, let's go straight into our love and hate, which is one thing we loved, one thing we hated about Port Adelaide this week. Um, Harold, mate, so I might start with you with this one. Okay, I think there's certainly a lot to like about the Port Adelaide Football Club this week. Uh, you know, if it's not Tom Cleary's contract or Jay Schulz's mark, or Chad flicking the switch to win god mode in the last quarter on Saturday. But I think my love of the week is one club, three wins in one day. The Port Adelaide Academy team uh, comprehensively won their second game of the year by almost 100 points. The Magpies fought back after a sluggish start from, I think, about six goals down against Centrals at the Ponderosa to gain a bit of revenge for their after-the-siren loss and, you know, the corresponding fixture last year. And then... Our AFL team ground out the game for three quarters before switching on the power and unleashing hell on Footscray in the last stanza. So it ended up being an eminently satisfying weekend. Indeed. Yep. A great day. And what about your hate? Yeah, I really struggled to come up with a hate this week. So I'll just manufacture one. And my hate's probably just the reduction in the area for the game day village on Saturday night, it was mm. you know it's an extremely popular area, and it was made even more claustrophobic than normal due to 
Tennis SA requiring the courts for tournament play. I mean, I, you know, you can't criticise Tennis SA. They've been a great partner of ours at the Adelaide Oval Precinct and they have to think of their own best interests, but it seems a bit strange that they're scheduling tournaments in winter. But there you go. Yeah. Didn't stop me knocking back a few Coopers Clear. And as I mentioned, I was fortunate enough to be introduced to the Port Fan Radio entrepreneur extraordinaire, Fisting Rick, for the first Rick. time. <laughs> Did he serenade you at all? or No, he's quite, he's quite um, restrained, really. Which was oh, there you go. Yeah, that that was a bonus. But as an aside, apparently Zach Wilde, according to his own report, literally burned up the D the well the game day venue dance floor after the game. And I hate that I missed that. <laughs> that would have been a sight to see, that's for sure. That's definitely. Yeah, it was disappointing that it was uh, a hell of a lot smaller than normal. I, th- I think I ran into Ramen while I was there as well, so that was good, and a few of the other lads. But um, yeah, hopefully next week it'll be uh, back back to normal. That would be great. It should make a fortune. Indeed. And Blaggett, uh, what's your love and hate, mate? Uh, my love for this week is probably after the start of the year where a lot of people were uh, kind of saying we've lost our fitness, lost our run. In the last couple of games, second halves, we've kind of run over some teams. We had a beautiful fourth quarter. Just uh, after big old arm wrestle, we just buried them. Got, got the run going, got the... Smooth movement of the ball is fantastic. Looked like uh, early 2014 port. No, it was definitely. A, it was a fantastic quarter of football. Champagne footy, that's for sure. Absolutely. And it looks like we just, you know, we fought their fight for a while and then we just decided to flick the switch. It was fantastic. And what about your hate? Ooh. Well, at first I was thinking I'd probably go with the commentary. After watching the replay, that was pretty shocking. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm going to go with the sad news that uh, Polly Polek might be out for the rest of the year, possibly, or at least a large chunk of it, which uh, is really disappointing because uh, I think we've missed a lot of his run. Like his um, his speed on the outside has been was fantastic last year, so I think uh, it's going to be a shame that we're not going to see a lot of it this year. No, that's true. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit of a sad injury, the uh, old navicular. It's uh, it's something that's very very tricky to come back from. Um, but I guess mm. the, the good thing is that, I, I mean, everyone always talks about Matthew Egan, um, who was All-Australian in 2007, only pretty young. I think he was only 22 or 23 at the time and um, never played another game. He missed out on the grand final that right, year yeah. and didn't play again. And Trent Crowe had to retire because of it as well. And But I mean, the, for every Egan or Crowe, there's, you know, there's probably three or four success stories of, of players that have gotten over that injury. You know, you look at uh, yep. James Hurst, probably the, the most common one. Um, he, um, you know, he had a rotten time with it for a couple of years, and then won a, a Norm Smith Medal the year after in 2000, and never looked back. And you know, there's other guys like uh, Jack Grimes and Colin Garland, and uh, probably four or five others um, that are currently playing that have had that injury, but have uh, have gotten over it, which is uh, which is good yeah. news. And, and hopefully, um, you know, Pollock can have some time off, and hopefully, it heals properly, and um, and he'll be right to go um, early next year. Yeah, well, you trust the club. They've got the no-risk policy. You know, you kind of trust that they'll do what's best for him, not rush him back, not try and do anything he can't do. So I have faith, 2016, he'll get another Norm... He'll get his first Norm Smith. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, he is great to watch. He is. Now, he's, a, uh, he's certainly um, a very important part of our side, you know, with his skills and his pace and his line-breaking speed and all that sort of stuff. So I guess the, the first question I've got is... Um, you know, it leaves a big hole in our side. Who do you think will 
um, fill that hole for the rest of the year. Do you think uh, Carl Amon is uh, is good enough to stay in the side and, and fulfill that role? Uh, I think definitely has the ability there. Like I think uh, he hasn't been uh, outstanding in his first few, but he's definitely been definitely earned his spot. So I reckon if he keeps plugging away and he gets his form right, he could absolutely fill that spot on the wing there. And you saw a lot of the um, inside 50s, a couple of them inside 50s on the weekend. They were just beautiful, like delivery lace out into a spare player. Absolutely could fill that spot, I reckon. Harold, I know you're a huge fan of Carl. I'm a huge fan, but uh, I'll temper my uh, enthusiasm. And I I don't think he could replace Polek. I I can think he'd do part of that job. You know, Amon's just starting his his, uh, learning his trade, Mm -hmm. really. But uh, like Blaggett was saying, he's got a couple of great weapons. That beautiful foot of his is one of them. And he can take a mark and he can play, you know, numerous roles. But I'm not sure about his inside work, you know, because Pollock can do a bit of both. But certainly he could be damaging with his left foot. I think there's going to be a few players that are going to have to rotate through there or play sort of like Pollock roles. Yeah. I think this is the perfect opportunity for someone like Carl Amon to, um, you know, to to play some significant football here and, and learn on the job in the AFL as opposed to being stuck in the SANFL. And you know, he should be able to get quite a lot of uh, game time, and and hopefully he can uh, perform pretty well. But I guess the other option that we've got is maybe throwing someone like a Broadbent or an Impey um, onto the wing and and putting Cracker back in defence. Um, I know everyone was pretty disappointed that Cracker got dropped last week and put back on the rookie list, but you know here's a chance for him to come back into the side and, and move one of those sort of extra back flankers that we've got into a, a position higher up the field. Yeah, or you could uh, use Jasper. You could put Cracker back there and let Jasper have a bit of a run up the ground. Yep. I reckon he's got the, got the ability to get some nice inside 50s, and I think uh, he's pretty good inside. Like When you see it like around when the ball hits the deck, he's not bad. I reckon he could yeah, he's good. fill that yeah. role. For sure. He's got a good defensive game now, too, yep. generally speaking. Mm. So... When he's not falling over and dropping the ball <laughs> in front of goal. But... <laughs> yes, when he's not doing that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, Jasper's, uh, Jasper's fine. Look, he's played on a wing a few times in the last couple of years, and you know, I think he's pretty much been just about best on ground every time he's done it. So that's certainly a, a possible option there as well. Yep. My love, which is the resurrection of Matty White. Um, who had a, a bit of an Beautiful. up and down year to date, um, but and at times I guess he looked like he was running on the spot a bit in the first sort of month or so. But um, you know, lack pace and lack running his legs. But um, the last two weeks, and especially this, this weekend, gone. Um, you know, he's back to the play that he was last year. He had a massive impact in that first half. I thought he was just about best on ground at half time, and was uh, and w- was one of the keys in keeping Port in control of the game in the last half as well. Yeah, he was everywhere in that first half. It was wonderful to watch. He was getting to all the contests, doing what he needs to do. And he was getting that run back, that cut through the corridor. It was just great to watch. Yeah. I'd almost say it was his best game for Port Adelaide. Ooh, tough to say, but trying to think of others at the moment. Can't think of any off the top of my head that kind of uh, mm. beat the, that kind Sorry of impact. Yeah. Uh, you're right about he he really did seem to have rediscovered that electrifying pace. But what I, I don't usually look at stats, but I was, thought it was really interesting that he had 25 pressure acts. That shows he wasn't mm-hmm. just, you know, all out running one way. He was, you know, tackling ferociously and d- doing all the, the other defensive stuff as well. Yeah. 
But if he sees the goals, he's got to go for it, doesn't he? Crosses then, 50. Yep. Yeah. And he did well, nailed both of the, the two opportunities he had. So pretty pleased with that. such a good but... shot on the run from, from outside 50. I mean, yep. you, you almost want that to happen. And I think he's probably got a bit of a license to take that shot when he's uh, when he's in range. And you know, more often than not, he slots those. So bring it on, I reckon. Yeah, yeah I enough. felt more confident about him uh, taking a shot from 55 than that set shot he had. He nailed both oh, those, that's no all right. <laughs> that's it. Look, my hate this week was uh, the fact we still got bossed at the contest despite the Dogs missing their two best contested players in uh, Bontempelli and Picken. As I mentioned earlier, we, we lost the clearances, lost the contested possessions as well, and it was only really the Dogs' poor skills and our impenetrable defence that, uh, that kept the game in our favour, I think, um, at times in that first half, especially early in the first quarter. And I think maybe against a better skilled side with those sort of stats, we might have uh, struggled a bit more to, to stay in front. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess I'm not too sure how we go about fixing it because it's been a bit of a problem all year. And whilst we uh, we did we did boss Melbourne last week in, in the same stats, um, um, against, I guess, better contested sides, I, I think we might struggle. Yeah, they're also missing Libertore as well. So, you know, it's yeah, that's true. pretty yep. handy contested players. Well, yeah, thank goodness for the um, efforts of Wines and Boke and, you know, others here and there. So, look, we might as well go straight into the AFL review. And, you know, obviously we're talking about round 10. It was a happy one for Port Adelaide. We won by uh, 38 points against the Western Bulldogs. Uh, 16 goals, 4. Fantastic accurate kicking there. Uh, to 9 goals, 8. Uh, Chatty Wingard, the star, he kicked 3. Had a massive last quarter, whilst uh, Matty White and Jay Schultz kicked 2 goals each. Um... The first thing to talk about was uh, 41,800 at the ground. It was the biggest away crowd for a Western Bulldogs game across the whole AFL since 2006. I guess we've got to be pretty happy with that. Absolutely. Yeah, for a... Um, I remember the game against the Bulldogs last year. We, we got under 40, and that was that was a pretty decent crowd. So to get over 40 against them, that was, uh, it didn't feel... Like there was any spaces really missing, it felt like a packed out crowd, so it was great. Yep. Yeah, and there weren't too many Bulldog supporters really, so it was <laughs> uh, most not. of the Port faithful turned up, so that was great. I thought it had a quite a good atmosphere, especially towards the end there. Yeah, you heard the organic oh no doubt power chant going up. That was fantastic. Yes, yeah, I thought very... it was pretty quiet in the first two or three quarters, though. It was sort of unusually quiet. I was sitting a, a fair bit higher than what I normally do, uh, so I'm not sure if that had a part to play in it, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty unusual um, how quiet it was, but uh, things kicked up in that last quarter. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it was early on in the game, it was a bit of an arm wrestle. There weren't really any moments to kind of get the crowd out of their seats. I mean, the opening yeah. uh, Wingard goal was pretty great, but uh, mm. other than that, it was more of a more of a wrestle, so you I guess that could have been a reason why people weren't up and about as much. Yep. Yeah, they're probably a bit like me, nervous Nellies. Always <laughs> yeah, worried. <laughs> but, uh, That's it. But you're right, Blackett. It was an arm wrestle. It was a real contested battle. And, you know, it didn't become that free-flowing, open, high-scoring game, you know, I sort of expected pre-game. Both teams seemed to focus more on their defensive structures rather than, you know, just making it a shootout. Yeah, it definitely looked like Bulldogs were going with a... Uh, plan B sort of situation because all year they've been kind of doing the runner and gun play so we're expecting a complete shootout but then they just I guess took the ruse method and tried to shut us down which worked for a while but didn't last all game 
I think it went both ways. We were certainly playing a lot um, closer to them than we normally do. We were playing one-on-one almost all across the field. And, you know, they, they were doing the same and then dropping a few players back. And, you know, it just became sort of like one of those games in midwinter that you see where it's, you know, pissing down with rain. And, you know, it's like a really low-scoring game. Not not great skills, but just a, a stoppage fest. And it was almost like that for a while there. But um, especially the third quarter, that got uh, a little bit dreary for a while there. But... Um, yeah, the first half I thought we played pretty well. Um, outside of um, some skill errors, I thought we were we maybe lacked a little bit of composure, especially in our sort of defensive fifty. Um, yep. Especially in the first quarter, we made quite a few sort of unusual errors down there, like dropping marks, and you know we kicked it straight to the opponent from kick-ins about two or three times, and yes, looked like it might be one of those games, but uh, we quickly snapped out of it. But you're right, it was a bit of an arm wrestle. We, you know. We would dominate for a little while. You know, we uh, scored a few. You know, well, they dominated that first five minutes, didn't they? They were a bit yeah, lucky. They hit, yeah, they hit the post a couple of times, and I think they had what, four points before we scored. And then we had a run where Matt White kicked a couple of goals all at once, and mm. you know, the game would open up and then it would close up again. It was quite a good game, really, from that point of view. You know, it's quite entertaining yeah. and fascinating. Yeah. From you know, it was one of those hard contested games that you, you know. But with still a bit of flair and skill, so it kept you interested the whole time. But they really wanted to make it a stoppage, contested sort of game, I thought. That's what they're good at, aren't they? So, And and that showed in the stats, I think, as well. You know, we uh, we got beaten in the clearances. We got beaten in inside 50s in contested possessions. Tackles were pretty even. We lost the hitouts as well. So, yeah, it was working for them for quite some time there. I, I think we... Broke away a bit late in the second quarter. We kicked, uh, I think, three goals in a row to, yep. to finish the, the half. Um, and it looked like we might uh, break away and, and get a pretty decent win from there. Um, but then in the third quarter, it really shut down. And quite significantly, I think the Dogs threw a lot of players back. And, you know, that last sort of 15 minutes of the third quarter, I don't even think there was a score. Yeah, we had opportunities, but we would, you know, kick it to them. Or, you know, you know a bit of a skill error somewhere. And... You know, Jasper unfortunately gave up one of their two goals that, you know, just mm. he was like a, he was on a skating rink without uh, skates on, so unfortunately. But <laughs> it, I, I thought, I think we, we wanted to wanted it to be that sort of quarter. You know, just keep it close, yeah. keep them keep them in hand. And at no stage, really, um, were we out of the game. You know, we were either ahead or, you know, just within a yep. goal or so. So, yeah, it's pretty comforting from that point of view. Yeah, I think we've got to get a lot of credit to our uh, back six. They copped a lot of pressure in those uh, middle two quarters there, and I think they held up really well, giving up, I think, four goals in those two quarters, despite the fact that it seemed like they had most of the play. So I think you've got to, got to give them a pat on the back. Most yeah. definitely. They've had some practice at that this year, haven't they? Yeah, too much. That's it. Well, look, uh, let's have a bit of a chat about the last quarter because it was fantastic footy for Port Adelaide. I thought it was, uh, you know, we played quite confidently. We played quite aggressively. You know, we demanded the ball. We we started to win it in the contest at the stoppages. Um, when it did get down the other end, um, our defence was almost impenetrable back there. Yeah, it was a fantastic quarter to watch. I mean, we actually really did dominate that quarter. And, you know, it's surprising we only kicked six because we were all over them. Really, they had a few forward uh, forays. I'm not sure, did they, 
How many goals did they score in the last? Just, just the one. The one. Yep. Okay. Just the one. And that was in the yeah. last couple yeah. of minutes. That's right. Yeah. They had a couple of you know hurried snaps, but that was about it. But Blaggett, you're right about our defence. They they were fantastic um, all game, and especially that last quarter. But you know everything else seemed to click. We seemed to really you know you know wasn't quite to the Hawthorne God mode, but we yep. really you know did turn it on in that last quarter. Yep. And especially Chad Wingard, which was you know, a joy to watch. That left-hand pick-up, right-hand <laughs> handball through tra- traffic to set up Ebo's goal was it was like football poetry, wasn't it? No, he had a uh, he had a fantastic last quarter, Chaddy Wingard. And look, a few people were calling him a bit of a downward skier, I think, on Big Footy. But oh, yeah. I thought that was pretty ridiculous. I thought he was one of our best players, all, you know, for all four quarters. You know, he was uh, he had a great first half and a really good third quarter as well. And you know, for him. It was just a, just sort of built into a fantastic crescendo at the end there, where he started getting free inside fifty and, and was able to slot a couple of goals and you know he dished yep. off two others as well. So you know that was uh, one of his best quarters of footy for the year. Yep, I think the reason they're calling him a downhill skier was because uh, he was the one that helped put the margin in at the end. They got to remember, like at the start of that last quarter, there's ten points, and when he started firing, like he wasn't downhill skiing, he was winning the game. I mean, it's just yeah. a ludicrous call because Chad Wingard's oh, one of our, our best players in clutch moments oh, in big games. He always plays well in big games. I mean, it, it's just one of the most ludicrous calls I've ever heard. Yeah, look, uh, you look at his stats over the game, and it's you know, six in the first, five, five in the next two quarters, and seven. Yep. That's a fairly consistent performance. You don't think Absolutely. there's any downward skiing going on there. And what was it, 11 score involvements? Yep. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. How many scoring shots we had? Twenty. Yeah, yep. and he's involved half, in eleven yeah. of them. Yeah, my God. Yeah, that's, if that's downhill skiing, I want more of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wish we had sure, more. Any, any team will look weak against uh, that. So we'll be downhill skiing against everyone if we had 10, 22 Chad Wingards. Yeah, it's a ridiculous <laughs> call. Yeah, I can see why that's a so, hate. So why did we win in that last quarter? What uh, what changed for us to uh, to break free in that fourth quarter? I reckon it was the uh, supposed non-existent fitness that, uh, like, we were both fighting at the same level for three quarters, going toe-to-toe, and they just, I don't think, could keep up with the pace for four quarters. We just kind of, we had the effort when they didn't, I reckon. That was pretty much what it seemed like to me. Yeah, I agree. I think we put our foot on the gas. We really did. And I think the week before in Alice Springs and the way that uh, we exhausted Melbourne... You know, really gave our boys confidence in you know the fitness that they actually have. Mm-hmm. You know, built up over three pre seasons now, and I think they regained a bit of confidence that they do have that extra fitness, and I think it it was proven. What about you, Macca? What do you think? Did we change things around? What do you reckon? I don't know. I did notice that we were going heavy one on one, especially in the back half. I think that changed. I think. The fact that we started, that Loby started to win the taps more often than not, I think that yep. was a that was a big influence. And and the fact that uh, I think Bokey broke free from Stevens for the last quarter mm-hmm. was uh, was important as well. Um, so we just kept getting it forward and you know just barraging their defence. And you know I, I think um, I'm not sure if the Dogs' defenders started to tire a little bit or, or they just lost a bit of um, the mental edge that they had. But you know to allow Wingard the amount of space that he had in that last quarter was criminal on their part. I thought. <laughs> And our delivery was so clean, wasn't it? All our disposals was, yeah. just worked. Everything clicked. <clears throat> and the more it clicked, the better we got. 
Yeah. You can almost sense with um, with Ebert's goal where Wingard picked it up and handballed it to him. Um, you can almost sense that that broke uh, the dog's spirit a little bit because straight after that we kicked about, I don't know, we kicked four more goals in about seven minutes after that and it was just game over. Yeah, yeah it felt like a floodgate moment for sure. Like after that their heads kind of dropped and we had our tails up and it was just a beautiful ending, at least for us. Yeah. And that's the great thing about, uh, you know, scoring efficiency, isn't it? You know, uh, if you can slot those goals every time you've got an opportunity to do it, you're putting so much pressure on the opposition. So that bugbear that we, uh, about goal kicking and accuracy that we all share with you, Macca, is hopefully in hibernation for quite some time now. Yeah, fingers crossed. Let's hope fingers so. Crossed. I think another important thing was just how well we shut down their run. As we mentioned, you know they they are a very quick, very attacking team, the Western Bulldogs, and we didn't really see that at all. But and I think again that might be a part of the coaches. I think they did a fantastic job and and really got the matchups right. I mean, we we threw Impey onto Dalhaus in the last three quarters, and mm-hmm. he really shut him down. I think he had twelve touches to quarter time and only had eight more for the last three quarters, so he was down on his average. Um, yep. Monfries did a, a wonderful job on Robert Murphy, and he's going to bring that up as well. <laughs> just an, an incredible defensive game, and you know, I think Murphy only had the twelve touches, which I think is his lowest um, disposal count for the last three or four years. So he was well down on his average. I think um, Eason Wood was well down on his. Johansson had twelve touches. He he was seven down on his average as well. So all this sort of quick runners yep. from the defensive half, we just completely shut them out of the game. And that Boyd was, was another one. Boyd, yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, so yep. so you're exactly right, Mac. All those players that you know give them so much drive, you know, they were really well shut down. And I think it was a shared effort, you know, by quite a few. And I thought, uh, you know, all our forwards shared in that. You know, whether it was Sam Gray or um, Paul Stewart, mm-hmm. but definitely, you know, Angus's job was just sensational. Mm-hmm. I still yeah, feel I he doesn't get the uh, the plaudits at the game in the crowd that um, that he deserves. I, and I no. heard a lot of you know get a kick, Angus, you know all, all that sort of stuff in the crowd. And it's like, what are these people watching? I mean, maybe he hasn't <laughs> had a kick, you know. <laughs> so I don't know what people watch sometimes, but you know, I, I thought he was wonderful, just about yeah. our best player. That's part of the thing that I was going to mention about the commentary. I was watching it, and Dermy was talking about how Angus hasn't gotten in the game, and I'm like, well. That's because he's kept Bob Murphy to less than, you know, 12 possessions. That's why he's not in the game, because he's taken their mm. threat out of it. So, yeah, And, he, and he got a goal, so can't really yeah, complain. Absolutely. Yeah, it took them is that a great whole, year? whole game to notice. Yeah. He, he has had a good year, hasn't he? He's had a very really? good year. For someone who's and he's had such man. a diverse year as well, which is, uh, which is good, because I think at the start of the year he was really pushing further up the ground and and getting a lot of the ball, but not really spending a lot of time inside 50, so his scoring shots were down. And then he, he had a couple of big games in front of the sticks, and last few weeks he's had some uh, some pretty important um, defensive jobs as well. So you know, he, it's really showing um, how diverse he is as a footballer. That's yeah, absolutely. I was thinking he could possibly be a uh, Corns replacement, but I don't know whether you'd want to take him outside 50 too much. Yeah, no, I think I like him in, in the role that he's got at the moment. I think he could definitely do Corn's role, but um, but right now he might I think not have he's the fitness necessarily. But I don't know. I think he works pretty hard. I reckon he'd be one yeah. of our fitter players. Yeah, he'd probably be actually. Yeah, in the top, you know, twenty percent or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and and all this considering that he's had the whole wider thing and an injury hit preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, he hardly had a preseason, so he's done a sensational job. Well, I want to talk about the uh, the young guys just briefly. How did you see uh, Sammy Gray's game? Really good, really good. I love being wrong. I think I was someone who said. <laughs> Uh, I was saying last week, oh, I don't think he did enough. He shouldn't really be picked again. He did, played a beautiful game. He had um, really good disposal when he had it. I think it was about 90% disposal efficiency. And just every effort, when he was near the ball, he was it was going to be won or be neutralized. So I think he did a fantastic job. And that yep. lovely little goal. Yeah, it was very clever, wasn't it? Oh, it was very clever, yeah. Yeah, I thought the Harold? second shadow grade performed pretty well, actually. And like Blaggett, he shut up his critics like me, at least for one night. I'll, I'll give him <laughs> one night off. But no, and his attack on the ball and the player who had the ball was excellent. And like I said, I thought he did some really good defensive jobs on the running um, Bulldogs halfback flankers on top of, you know, getting his own ball. But, I mean, he, he, he didn't really fumble or you know like you said Blackett, his skills were really good yeah just having a look his um disposal efficiency is like 88 percent so like that's way above average for any player so yeah he probably only had one poor disposal in the end but i think um the thing i really liked about sammy gray's game was his defensive pressure and you know he just seemed to be on on his opponent's tail the whole time and i love how quick he is off the mark i, I don't think he's a super quick player but his first sort of 10 or 15 metres, he really knows how to get space on his opponent. I think that's pretty important um, yep. in sort of uh, in the role that he's got. He, he seems to always get a couple of metres on his opponent so he can attack the footy pretty well. Um, again, I thought, similar to last week, I actually enjoyed his work when he sort of pushed further up the field a bit and was in and around the stoppages. I don't know why he doesn't get more sort of midfield minutes um, at the moment as a bit of a chop out. I think... Um, I think people sort of claiming it's because of his size and his height is... Um, I don't think that's correct. Um, and look, he, he may not be good enough to, to play that sort of role in the AFL, but I mean, there's, there's plenty of um, players that are his size or, or smaller that get uh, a hell of a lot of midfield minutes. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing him you know, do that role at AFL level a bit more. Obviously, we know that he's a, a wonderful SAFL midfielder and does some great work you know, getting heaps and heaps of clearances and, and that sort of thing, so... Yep. Wouldn't mind seeing him perform that role at AFL level a little bit more. Yeah, and, and you know in stop. Oh, yep, Sarah. No, go for it, Blackett. No, I was just going to say, like, in stoppages, it's all about going in, getting the ball. And one thing you can say about Sammy Gray is he puts his everything into trying to get that, get the ball, try and get it out. So you can't claim that he's not going to bust his back every contest to try and get in there if he gets chucked in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a smart footballer. I think he's got football smarts. I think it's his quicker brain. It's sometimes that uh, his inexperience and you know lack of knowledge of the pace of AFL football has just let him down a bit. I mean, he's he's only played a handful of games, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All he needs well, is, is a bit of grippo on his hands and sorted, <laughs> yep. I think, because yep. he can be a little bit fumbly with his first touch. But if he can sort that out, that would. Um... As I mentioned before, his uh, his ability to get space on his opponent, if he can become a, a really good one-touch footballer, um, it would make him certainly AFL standard, I would think. For sure. Yep. So what do you reckon his prospects of getting uh, upgraded at the end of the year? Or? 
Because I reckon you'd probably say Cracker's likely. You reckon they'd give another spot to him? I think they would more... I'm not sure if we have to delist him and then re-rookie him. Like redraft think, him as a rookie yep. if it's the third year. I think I think that's correct. It certainly used to be anyway. But yep. um, I, I think that's more the case than him getting on the senior list. I'm, yeah, I'm just yep. not sure. Um, I think we're going to be struggled to find players to delist as it is. Yeah, I yeah, think that's the sure. case. Yeah. Unless we lose one or two through trades, sort of like an O'Shea or a Moore. I think mm. uh, in We've that case, we might uh, upgrade Sammy Gray. Otherwise, I think we might look to, to try and keep him on the, the rookie list. Yep. And what about another young player, MP? Maka, you already touched on him talking about his great job on uh, Dowhouse. I really can't wait to see how good he is once he's got 50 games experience under his belt. I think, you know, he's really becoming an integral integral part of our team. Especially watching the the replay, it was evident, you know, how much uh, involvement he has in the game. So I was really impressed with him. Yeah, for me at the game... Yeah, two really good roles, I thought. You go, Blaggett. Oh, no, I was just going to say, at the game, I think you've mentioned in the replay, it was much more noticeable at the game. I didn't see a whole lot of him, and I was, like, unsure as to his role. And then I paid a, paid attention again, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, kept Dowhouse out of it, got a whole bunch of really solid possessions. He had a fantastic game. Yeah. I think he had two really good jobs on the weekend. The first, he was on Tory Dixon, who's um, surprisingly a pretty clever forward and, and quite yep. tricky. He's kicked a lot of goals this year and has become a real mm-hmm. key for the... The dogs and he shut him completely out of the game for the first sort of 35 40 minutes and then obviously moved on to Dalhouse and and shut him completely out of the game and you know I don't think it's about him sort of getting the ball and 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 that sort of and being that sort of attacking player at this point in time defensively he's absolutely spot on and, and I think he's now made his mark and, and is ready to be a, a regular contributor at AFL level I, I think it's important to note that you know we did sort of I guess we did drop Cracker into and and Impy came into the side, um, so they're showing a lot of faith in a what a nineteen year old kid or whatever he is, and you know, he's certainly living up to it at this point. Absolutely, yep. I guess the other one to talk about down back is uh, Tommy Cleary. His uh, his third game, his second game this year. Um, I think he's proven in the last two weeks that he is absolutely ready for regular AFL football. I agree. I mean, he lost that one battle of strength uh, against Cramery early on, but that was he was just about flawless after that. And I think he's mm. one who's dealt, developing nicely. And I was really impressed with his skills under pressure at AFL level. You know, 100% disposal efficiency. Yep. I know he didn't get a heap of the ball, but that's brilliant because I've actually seen Ken, you know, tearing his hair out at some of the things Cleary has done at SNFL level. Uh, maybe some of his positioning and decision making, but I think he's, he's it's all clicking for him, and he's been very reliable and very impressive. Yeah, for a young kid, he's got a pretty cool head at AFL level. Like, got thrown in, and like he got a quite a few intercept marks as well. I think he had nearly as many marks as kicks. So, mm-hmm. like, he, he's really solid back there and really cool, which is what you need in a defender. No doubt. So, who were some of your best players? Besides Wines and Wingard, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd probably say those. I think Westy had a really good game as well. Like, uh, provided a really good contest up forward, swung back, got those intercept marks. I think that was really important to us. Absolutely. I think uh, Robbie Gray in the first half. 
like especially like he he wasn't yeah. Yeah. too strong in the second, but the first half it was just vintage gray. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. at first, he was one of our best players. As usual. Yep. Mm. I, th- I think it's great that we're, we're not talking about, you know, Gray, Boak, Ebert. You know, they're all great contributors, you know. Yep. But it just shows our current depth is, you know, certainly on the improve. And we didn't have to rely on those three players as being our best. But I certainly agree the three Ws were all in the top five. You know, Wines, well, for me, it was best on ground. I mean, I... Yep. Uh, he is a favourite of mine, just like he is with everyone, and he's a competitive beast. And you know, and he refuses to be beaten. Twenty-three contested possessions. <laughs> it's outstanding. And you know, along with that, there's five tackles, eleven clearances, and he's the leading disposal winner on the ground with thirty-three. So he's an yeah, absolute I love, love maniac. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say I almost love Ollie as much as my eighteen-year-old daughter. And almost is a hell of a lot because she's really, she really loves him. <laughs> I thought Homshi was the the other one who was sensational mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and, and as Blaggett said, you know the whole back six was really good. Tommy Jonas was certainly a much improved display you know, in my way of thinking. Anyway, I thought he'd been having a fairly disappointing season, but you know compared to the standard we expect from Jonas. But I think he'll grow with confidence after that performance. But Homsch is, it doesn't matter if he's on talls or smalls, whether it's, you know, uh, Mitch Wallace or, you know, the resting Ruckman or Boyd or whoever. He's going to, he's just got so much determination. He's going to win just about each and every contest. You know, and then he's unstoppable on the rebound. And I love how, you know, the media gave him that big write up this week, but it had not one iota of effect on. Uh, unflappable Jack mm-hmm. Holmes. Yeah, so, yeah, loved yeah. his game. And as you said, um, Maka Monfries was sensational. Monfries, was Un- great. unsung yeah. hero. No doubt. Well, I thought Ebert. Um, yeah, I'm not going to bring up sort of wines and Wingo. We've already spoken about them, but I thought Westhoff was really good. Um, as you said, Blagger, he was great up forward and then moved back and you know just uh, got in the way perfectly um, in the defensive 50. I thought Ebo was just one of those sort of slow burners. You, you sort of realised he was having a good game, but you didn't realise just how good until the last quarter where he sort of yep. went went a bit nuts. And you know, he was one of our <laughs> keys to that big last quarter as well. Um, yeah, Robbie Gray had a fantastic first half. I thought Lobie's um, uh, second half was very, very good. Um, not so much his first half. I, um, yeah, obviously Jack Homsch was wonderful down back as well, and Tommy Jonas played one of his best games for the season, and really enjoyed Sammy Gray's game as well. And look, Carlisle didn't. You know, we haven't really spoken about Bobby Carlisle, but he didn't really put a foot wrong either. No, he gave Tom Boyd a football lesson, really. And for someone mm-hmm. apparently who doesn't go for the ball and has no kicking skills, Dermot <laughs> his past the shoals in that last quarter was a thing of beauty. Mm. Yeah, so stuff you, Broden. <laughs> That's it. So as we did last week, um, I want to bring up some of Ant Bear's questions, as he does, um, or as as he has done on the forum over the last couple of weeks. And it's a tradition. The first one I want to talk about. Yeah, a very new tradition, but uh, <laughs> I guess <laughs> tradition doesn't have to be old. I guess. Um, Ollie Wine's match. Where does that sit amongst his best games? Oh, up there, but I still say uh, last year's semi against Fremantle. Just beating five from that second half. That was 
that's still number one for mine. Yeah, doing yeah. it in finals games, there's nothing like quite like it. And he's got a pretty good record in finals, Ollie. Oh, yeah. But it was a sensational performance. Top ten. Yeah, I'd probably say top three. Games? <laughs> yep, no doubt. I'd say it's probably his second or third best game. Certainly his uh, his Frio final last year was, uh, you know, it's going to be hard for him to top that until he wins a Norm Smith at the end of the year. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's probably next in line, I would think. Uh, next question is, can we tolerate Jasper Pittard's clangers forever? And we can let fly here, considering Fisting Rick's not here. <laughs> well, yep, absolutely. I think you've got to weigh it up, good versus bad. I'd say he will improve, but if he gives away one goal a game, I think he saves about 10. Yep. Yeah, forever's a long time, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But I, I think we can... Uh, you know, display a Buddhist-like tolerance for quite a while yet. <laughs> I actually thought defensively he was very, very good on the weekend. He was, yeah, um, yeah a know, couple he of was, uh, He was very hard to, to get past and, you know, he completely defeated his opponent, but just when he had the ball in his hand, it, it was just the worst of Jasper Pittard. And <laughs> I know it's a bit of a shame. I'm not sure if it's the fact that he's changed roles again um, and he's sort of swapped with Broadman. He's not playing that sort of loose man in defence role, but... He's, uh, and I'm not sure if it's a confidence thing, but his first three or four games were absolutely outstanding. He's, he sort of had a bit of a, a slow one against the, the Eagles, and he hasn't really recovered from that in terms of his disposal. And Obviously, we, we spoke about the fact that he fell over and, and gave away an easy goal, and you know he turned the ball over, I think, twice from kick-ins and you know tried to pinpoint passes that just weren't on, um, and you could sense the real sort of groan in the crowd every time he tried to do it, but... I don't know. I think Jasper Pittar, when he plays with the instinct um, and doesn't let his brain overtake what his body's <laughs> trying to do, is a fantastic player, and he just needs to do that more often. For sure. I mean, he's been targeted a bit since you know that brilliant burst of form early in the year hmm. in his defence. And when he did slip over, it was early in the game. Oh, sorry, early in the second half. And a few players did slip over during the game. He wasn't the lone ranger there. And he did no, do, right. as you said, a great defensive job. But also, you know, that pass to Schulz when he had that run in the centre, that was a bit of beautiful football there. So he can do some great Indeed. stuff too. That's it. Is Boke a better uh, captain than Matthew Primus? <laughs> bit of silence there. Um, he's competing at least. Mm. There's no definite decision at the moment. I think give him a few years and absolutely. Yeah, he will be, won't he? It's a bit yeah. hard to say now, you know, because yeah. Primus, no matter what you think of him, you know, was a really was the sort of player that dragged the rest of the team with mm-hmm. him often, especially yeah. in those early 2000s. So, but I think he will be. Yeah, I think thinking from it. As a, I guess, a quantity point of view, I think Primus probably only played two fantastic years as captain in 01 and 02. Mm-hmm. I think um, after that, he, his career was kind of ruined by injuries. You know, he had sort of persistent hamstring injuries in 03. He obviously did a knee in 04. Wasn't the same player in 05 when he came back. So it was really just those two years. But what are two years they were for Matty Primus? Um, and I guess Boak, he's younger, he's fitter. Um He's had two fantastic years as captain. So mm-hmm. I think in time, he's going to definitely be recognised as a better skipper than Primus. And look, if, if he can hold up the uh, Premiership Cup, 
I think there's no doubt that uh, he'll become a better captain. But I think at this point in time, it's probably line bowl. Yep. Uh, yep. Next question is, uh, can Wingard lift his ceiling any higher? God, imagine a Wingard mode for 120 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the big thing. If he can do that all game, that would just be unbelievable. But um, I think, sure, there are ways he can improve, but you don't mind him if there's a ceiling, you still take him. Mm. I mean, can he turn from a 20-2 and two player to a 25-3 and three player, for example? Oh, absolutely, I think. Sure. I think he's definitely got the ability to do it. He's a kid. That's the incredible thing. Yeah. He is just a kid. He's going to be fantastic. Yeah, get some more midfield time. No doubt. I think it's important that he's getting more midfield time this year. I think his uh, his football's definitely improved um, with that as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next question is um, when Jackson Trengove returns in the next couple of weeks, um, who goes out of the side in that back line? Is, uh, is Tom Cleary the unlucky one or can you see someone else, maybe someone like Tom Jonas or Matthew Broadbent going out instead? Who? I don't think Broadbent will, not just because of the love, but um, <laughs> different types of players, <laughs> I reckon. Um, Cleary is the most likely. Yeah. He's the most like-for-like, sort of. And, you know, last in, first out, has time on his side. But, you know, I would love for them to persist with him, but Jackson Trengo is a pretty important player. Yep. Not just just, uh, his football ability, but his leadership skills, et cetera. So, yeah, you'd probably say Clury, but he's definitely made made a good show of himself. Like, he'll definitely get in there sooner rather than later if he does go out. It's great that he signed on, too. That is excellent. Oh, sure. That was completely unexpected. I thought he'd probably wait until the end of the season and and see how many games he played and and whether it was worthwhile moving, you know, back to Victoria or something like that. But the fact that he's put faith behind the club and and the club's put faith in himself, uh, I think, is wonderful. I think he would have been highly sought after too, really. There's a few oh, teams no screaming out for key defenders. He's ready to go. He's ready to play AFL footy just about every week, you would think. So, you know, for him to put faith in the club and, and I guess understand that at the moment he's just waiting in line is uh, is wonderful. Yep. Uh, next question, is Brad Ebert in contention for All-Australian? I'd like to think so, but... I haven't heard nearly anything about him, so I reckon the people who choose it probably don't know he exists. But yeah. you'd think on his form, he should be. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think he's sexy enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I think it'll be pretty hard to get a spot in that midfield in the All-Australian team. I think there's probably two or three players that have already locked themselves in, injury pending, I guess. You know, guys like yep. Nat Fife and... Daniel Hanbury will, will be definitely in the side. Other guys like Dylan Scheel and, and maybe Scott Pendlebury will will be around the mark as well. Jordan yep. Lewis will be up there. Luke Hodge will be up there. Um, so I think he's probably on that next rung down down beneath where I think there's probably about 11 or 12 people fighting for, for maybe one spot on the bench, maybe. And, and unless he has a really yep. big second half of the year, I think uh, he might miss out this year. 
He should at least make the shortlist, though, you'd think. I would hope so, yep. yeah. I would think so. He, he should, most definitely. I think uh, we've already spoken about this one a little bit, but uh, did the majority of supporters recognise the importance of Gus Monfrey's accountability? Absolutely not, because uh, like you, I was hearing stuff from the crowd, people you know, yelling at Monfrey's, telling him to get more involved in the game, and it's just like, well, everyone's got a role to play. <laughs> Let's uh, move on and talk about the SANFL. Um, Port played the other Bulldogs, Central Districts, in Round 9 this week um, and came away with a crucial 8-point win in, in quite a nail-biting contest at Elizabeth. We won uh, 13 goals 7 to 11 goals 11. Um, Mitchell, Colquhoun, uh, Summerton, Harvey and Billy Frantum in his first game kicked two goals each. Um, Blaggett, do you want to give us just a, a brief overview of what happened out there? Yeah, sure. Um, I was lucky enough to get out there. Well, I'd say lucky. Any trip to Elizabeth isn't exactly lucky, but um, no, we look. We started out pretty solidly. I think we got the opener. I think uh, Billy the Kid got our first, and that was pretty great. Um, mm. He looked really solid, actually, for the whole game. Um, Excellent. But in the second quarter, they steamrolled us a bit. They got two goals in a row, because I think one was a silly free kick after a goal, so that was a bit of a sneaky one there. But um, So, yeah, we looked kind of cooked in the second um but we got a couple evened us up and then third quarter i think third we got five to zero goals and we just started rolling over but they brought it back in the last and kept it to a contest but i think class just won out in the end yeah pretty interesting game at stages in that first half it looked like you know how far central districts i think they break out to a 36 point lead halfway through that second quarter and yeah, we just had no solution to their quality of disposal and the way that they were getting it out of the middle and quickly up forward. You know, it was it was a, a bit of a struggle for us. Um, yep. Yeah, we kicked a couple of goals late in that second quarter and, and dropped the margin to twenty four points at the main half at the main break. Um, and then twelve minutes into the third, we'd leveled the scores and, and managed to lead at the final change by seven points. And the last quarter was pretty manic. I think um, Central for the first you know I guess ten minutes kicked away to an eight point lead and, and you almost looked like they might get over the line in another close one similar to last year. But, yep. you know, as I say, you can never write off the Magpies and you know, prove true once again. Uh, it was all about the midfield, I think. Because um, we did struggle in defence. I, I think especially without Clurie, we had O'Shea acting as the only key defender. And he didn't have a really flash game. So we were kind of struggling back there whenever the ball went there forward of centre. Although in the first half, it was... Nathan Cracker versus Central Districts for mine. <laughs> He's got a good record against them. Did Butcher play back? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, he did. He, um, he did, yeah. I don't think he played a, any time in the forward half. I mean, he was a bit shaky down back. I mean, personally, he just looks like he's given up. Like, I don't want to say it because I want to I see a really great, you know, Butch in the AFL side, but he looks like he's stopped, unfortunately. But hopefully he can get some confidence back and pull it back. But yeah, he spent most time in the back pocket and was kind of shaky. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing, I guess, with Butch. But yeah, as you said, uh, Mitch Harvey kicked another two goals. Yeah, and looked like a really solid forward target. So, And um, his ruck game is also a lot better than it was last year when he was doing the solo ruck Mm. for a lot of the season. So he's, 
he's come leaps and bounds this year. And I mentioned uh, Frampton. He looks like a solid forward target as well. Like He started out in the forward half and spent most of the game there, just chipping in Ruck when uh, Redden was resting. So he's yeah. he's a he's another possibility. Now I've, I've mentioned this on the Showdown Magpies show that our 2014 draft is looking like we might have unexpectedly hit the draft jackpot considering yeah, our first yeah. pick was late third round. Austin's been fantastic. Mm, absolutely. Palmer's shown a lot. From what you're saying about Frampton, that's exciting. And we saw Howard in the uh, pre-season. And so they look like they're all inspired selections, really. Yeah. Can't wait to see them all playing together next week. <laughs> Oof, that'd be great. Well, look, if, uh, if Frampton can learn how to play as a key forward, I mean, that would just be so crucial to him you know, succeeding at AFL level. And if he can become that sort of you know, second ruck um, yep. or, or resting in a forward pocket at AFL level, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Well, I think... Every tall bloke who can run probably gets a comparison for us, but um, he looks like another kind of Westoffs type player. He's really mobile, got a good leap, good hands. So I mean, he could. He looks like he could play most positions. I reckon if he gets his, gets everything working right. Yep. Pretty exciting. Brendan, Brendan Archie had another massive game: thirty touches, yep. seven clearances, nine inside fifties. Is he now too good for SANFL level? Uh, that's the way it looks. He looked a class above the uh, Central's midfield. I think a lot of ours did, like uh, Archie, Mitchell, and Moore. Those three just dominated the inside ball like, all game. It was pretty great to watch. <laughs> yeah, good to hear. But yeah, Archie, I reckon, probably get, gets best on ground. It was just, he was everywhere. Yeah, he seems like he believes that he's, he's above that level too, which is yep. fantastic. I think it's, confidence is so important to Arch. Just needs a chance where he's not sub, and yep. he just needs that breakout game, and I don't think he'll look back if he gets it. I mean, that's my forever hate, that sub rule. It just kills the game, really, and kills you know, yep. young players' momentum, really. Mm. And it kills your dream team side as well. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yep. But yeah, other than that, I think... Um, you got Tommy Logan, who does what he does every week, doing it really well. Uh, Calhoun, he was it was decent. He got the possessions, but didn't really impact it a whole lot. So that's a that's you know promising, but I don't think he's shouting out to get an AFL spot at the moment. But I'm really liking uh, Darcy Burn Jones. He's doing a fantastic job down back with a without a lot of support really, because O'Shea's been mm. pretty quiet. So he's been. He's been uh, standing up. I reckon he's got a lot of Jasper Pitt out about him. He's a good little player. He's very competitive. He's had a good season this year. Yeah, he was really quiet last year, but uh, he's stood up so far this season. He's got his head in the game a bit more. He looks a bit more determined and you know mentally switched on this year as opposed to yep. last year where at stages he, he looked like he was cruising a little bit and yep. looked a little bit sort of airy-fairy at times. But you know he, he really looks like he wants to make a bit of a career for himself and... I'm not sure yeah, of... when he's going to get a, a chance at AFL level, but um, yep. you know, it might, it might be he might have to wait until next year. But you know, once he gets that chance, I don't think he'll look back either. Yeah, saw a nice little bit of attitude from him, getting in some central players' face. So he's got a bit of determination there, I reckon, as well. He loves that. He he does that quite a bit, Darcy, which is great because yeah. he he looks he looks all of about forty five kilos, but you know, he yeah. uh, he likes to uh, you know, he likes to niggle a fair bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, with even with that new romantic haircut that he's got. Oof, yeah. <laughs> Auditioning for a spot in The Cure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say New Kids on the Block, but yeah, The Cure as yep. well. <laughs> All right, well, did you guys uh, manage to catch any other AFL games this weekend? Ooh. Saw a bit of the uh, Friday night one, but that was a bit of a shock. Yeah, they've got, got a good record time. over there. I'm... Yeah, that's true, yeah. Just sort of underrated Richmond a little bit just because of the fact that they're Richmond and, and didn't really look <laughs> at their record. I think that's it. quite possible, yeah. Um, but that first quarter was just dominance. It was crazy. Yeah, unbelievable. And of course, Essendon didn't kick a goal in the first half against Geelong. Oh. So I didn't get to see that one, but I was just seeing the scores from uh, Adelaide Oval and just looking, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, yeah. that's another shock. We'll have to catch a replay of that game before the uh, the preview on Thursday night because it'll yep. be interesting to see just how they dismantled Essendon and, and what we're yeah. up against. Um, or whether it was yeah Geelong being too good or Essendon being too terrible. You don't know. That's it. I saw bits and pieces of the uh, Crows-Carlton game and it was like the Keystone Cops at times. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the best game that I saw this weekend was North Melbourne versus West Coast. I thought that was a, a bloody good game. Really tight. Um, you know, season on the line for North Melbourne and, and they got over the line, so so great for them. Yep. I didn't manage to catch that one. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm not so happy right. it's great for them. No, no, it was uh, not, not so great for us, but uh, you know, it would have been good if they had another loss and Yep. You know, almost sort of signalled the end of their season, but... Um, but that's right, they're mind. dragging down the upper. We've got to aim high, so yeah. think about it as yeah, good that they right. dragged West Coast down a bit. Absolutely. I did manage to Absolutely. catch the uh, game today, the Melbourne-Collingwood game. That was actually a surprisingly well-contested match. Mm. Hell of a lot better than last year's Queen's birthday oh, game. God, yeah. Was, uh, absolutely yep. diabolical. Oh, was, wasn't it? Yeah, Melbourne gave it a really good crack today and just fell short. Yep, yep. They didn't have the, they didn't have the energy to go four quarters. It was momentum swings all day, and then the last they just lay down. But great game to watch. So Macca, are we going to give away any of um, Rick's money, or that's for when Rick's <laughs> Rick's present? <laughs> Look, I would love to give away Rick's money, but um, I don't actually know who the Who Am I player is yet. He hasn't told me so. I've got to wait for him to come up with another question. Oh, there's something to look forward he's, to. He's leaving me night. in the dark as well. So, yeah, back on Thursday, we'll, uh, we'll have the next Who Am I question and we'll look at uh, giving away some of Rick's hard-earned cash. That's it. Well, we might leave it uh, here for tonight, boys. Harold, thanks for coming on again, mate. No, thank you very much, Macca. Great to chat with Blaggett. Cheers, thanks for having yeah. me, guys. Thanks for coming on, buddy. No worries. Oh, and yeah, also a big thank time. you to New Vision, of course. Absolutely. Our sponsors. And we got out of this uh, singing free, which is wonderful. <laughs> I was just about <laughs> to burst into something, but couldn't think of anything. So. <laughs> Turn him off quick, Maka. <laughs> we can Till next time, boys. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> anyway, I'll stop now. <coughs> oh, wonderful. Can the pair. Can the pair. Can the pair. One last hurrah. Loads up. They need a mark and then a goal. West off almost. Motlock couldn't quite. Enright. 
Good tackle. Cassisi to win it. Cassisi does win it. Oh! oh.